Hello everyone, this is uh, Mike getting ready to give another driving theology. It is uh, December 2nd here in Japan, and I guess presumably by now everywhere. Maybe even some places are on December 3rd. I am in a car that I'm not usually in. My car is uh, in the shop for its yearly uh, inspection. So I am driving what they call a K car. It's very similar to my car, but this is a K car. And what K means, I believe, is karui, meaning light in Japanese. And it's a, it's a specific class of car. Uh, in which engines may not be more than, I believe, 660 cc's. And so I am driving the tiniest of SUVs. Uh, it is a little four-seater, uh, what is called a Pajero Mini here in Japan. I doubt they exist in most other countries. You might have the Pajero Junior, but this is actually the Pajero Mini. So the engine's going to be revving very high, unfortunately, uh, because it doesn't have overdrive, and this little bitty engine has very, very uh, low gearing. Um, so there may be more of a hum than usual, although the car may be in other, way, other ways quieter than my usual car, so we'll see how that works out. Um, so yeah, it's December. Uh, the first week of Advent. I didn't grow up using the uh, church calendar. I don't know a whole lot about it. I know, you know, the, I guess the main parts most people observe, and that would be Easter and Christmas. Um, but as far as uh, the rest of the calendar, I've never grown up in a, or never attended a church really that follows the traditions um, per se. Of Advent or with the rest of the church calendar. Uh, and so I don't really have a, a real good grasp on that. But I have been in, enjoying the last couple of years, we've, we've kind of been uh, paying more attention to Advent. Um, our kids, we like to give them an Advent calendar that has chocolate in it. Um, <laughs> and they count out the count down the days with that. I think it's a really nice way to observe Christmas. I don't really have a problem with it. Uh, so, yeah. So let's talk about Christmas. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Christmas today. Um, as a kid, I grew up with a very traditional uh look on Christmas, and I would even say a fun Christmas with a fundamental bent to it. You know, today we have the popular he's the reason for the season uh, motto. Well, the church group that I grew up with, or actually the, the specific churches, I'm sure not everyone felt this way, but we <laughs> uh, went the other way. You know, today there's kind of a backlash against observing the traditions that have to do with Santa Claus and Christmas trees. There's 
there are certain people in Christendom uh, who reject that idea and think we should focus solely on Jesus. Well, oddly enough, uh, the church that I the churches that I grew up in were almost the opposite. They were they thought that the Santa part of the story was harmless and okay and, and fun, but we shouldn't observe the Christian aspect because it could not be proven that Christmas was the actual birth date of Jesus. And because it can't be proven beyond the shadow of a doubt, uh, to, to observe Christmas as the birthday of Jesus was sacrilegious. <laughs> Which, you know, today I just scratch my head. Um, because I, I think any, any day that you give extra emphasis to Jesus would be a good day. Ideally, we would do that every day, right? Uh, if you go back to some of the original podcasts that I recorded about, especially the, the first one, which was the over, overarching story of, of Jesus and the narrative of Jesus in the cosmos and, and, you know, since before the creation of the world, you would know that I strive to have a very elevated idea of Jesus. And so anytime that we can really focus on Jesus, I would say, is, is time well spent. Now, should we only do that on, you know, during the time of Advent? Of course not. Is December 25th the actual birthday of Jesus? I have no idea. Who knows? Uh, do I think there, that it's a problem to observe Christmas as the birthday of Jesus? No, I don't. I, I think, you know, I think it's a day that we can really focus on the events of the birth of Jesus. And, no, I do. I, I think we should get them right or as right as possible and see them in the context of uh, what the birth of Jesus means in the grand scheme of things. Um, but for me and, and my, you know, my kids, we, we have observed Christmas uh, kind of both ways. We, you know, our kids, yes, they did believe in Santa. Um, and they believe in Jesus. Now, was I worried that when they found out that Santa uh, was not real, was I worried that they would also then maybe think that Jesus might not be real? I have to say in the back of my mind, I was a little worried. But I'm worried about all kinds of things. It doesn't stop me from, you know, going forward with, with what I do. Um, I had a discussion with a friend of mine yesterday, and he said, a lot of people view God as Santa Claus. And I was just thinking that the same day. We had the same thought aside from each other. So we talked about that a little bit. And I think that's true. I think... One, one way that we view God is, is Santa Claus. Santa Claus is a view of God. He's the old man who wants to give us good gifts and who keeps track of whether we are naughty or nice. Um, you can't take that very far, obviously. If you take that to the nth degree and say that's the only view of God, 
well then there's a problem there. But I, you know, I think God does wish for us to behave a certain way as human beings, as his children. Uh, he would prefer that we are kind to each other, that we share with each other. Um, but obviously Jesus is the, is the ultimate son who we get to uh, kind of live under. We, we get to uh, be considered to have great behavior because of Jesus' superior behavior uh, in the cross. It's a horrible way to say it, but basically because Jesus was such a good kid, we all get the toys. <laughs> I, know, I know that's not, that's not the best way to look at it. Um, so yeah, I would love to see a more elevated view of Santa even uh, as an allegory for God. And perhaps we can, we can make a better Santa knowing who God is and use him as an allegory. And maybe that's how we could teach our children. One way we could teach our children about God would be to use Santa as an allegory, just as um, Aslan is an allegory uh, in the Tales of Narnia for Jesus. Um, so, yeah, I... I don't claim that the way we raised our kids is the best way or the only way or the right way necessarily. It's just it's just what we chose to do. And we've had a lot of fun with Christmas over the years. Now this is going to be the first year that I have no children in the house who believe in Santa. My youngest is 12. And uh, she told me the other day that she does not believe in Santa. And you know, part of me kind of father and me who have, you know, we've had so much fun presenting Christmas and things like the Tooth Fairy and all of these things. We've had a lot of fun with that over the years. Um, and one of, the, one of the reasons that we maintain those, um, uh, I don't know what you call it, but we kind of maintain thinking that way or, or letting our kids believe in certain mythical creatures was that I believe that a believing person uh, is the kind of child that I wanted to create. I wanted a, a child to see the world and to believe uh, in what uh, their parents told them. Was that the only way? Obviously not, you know. That's not the only way to look at it. That's not the only way that we should teach our kids, but a believing kid, a kid who looks at the world and believes, I think is, is a good kind of kid to raise um, with an innocence. Now, yes, you want to you balance that. You want to balance that with healthy questioning, but to take it as far as, um, what's, the, what's the word? Um, To be skeptical, right? To be skeptical about everything, uh, I think it's just no way to, to raise a kid. Uh, skepticism uh, is, is, a, is a kind of arrogance that says, I can know truth through empirical evidence. I think that's the way it, 
that I'm using it in, you know, in this instance anyway. And I think a bit of skepticism is important, um, but faith as a Christian is, is the ultimate goal for us to have complete faith in the truth of Jesus Christ uh, and his rising. And, and a childlike faith, a childlike belief, uh, I think is something that Jesus said he wants us to always keep, you know, to, to believe, to be believers. And yeah, sometimes we're going to believe in things we shouldn't believe in. Um, that happens. And yet I'm going to stand by my original statement that I've always um, strived to re to raise believers. I want my girls to be believers, uh, and I pray that Jesus will take care of that and uh, use that to um, protect my children in the best way possible. So Christmas, should you celebrate it? Should you not? I think. The answer is, whether you celebrate it or you choose to not celebrate it, we shouldn't judge those who choose to or choose not to. And it's funny, we choose to be offended by the silliest things. I, my wife and I built a house about 10 years ago. And in those 10 years, we decided, uh, for, those whole, for those whole 10 years, we have not had a microwave because when we moved into the house, we decided that we just didn't want the clutter of a microwave on the countertops. We liked the open space. Now, if we would have been able to find a space maker, you know, type of uh, microwave oven here, we probably would have had one. But we just didn't want the clutter. And there were also some questionable things about whether or not micros microwaves were safe. Uh, and that, you know, the way that they interacted with uh, plastics uh, when they were heated up, um, we had a lot of questions about whether they were releasing carcinogens into our food. So anyway, we, we decided it wasn't a, wasn't a real, excuse me, that was a yawn, sorry, that's horrible to do on the podcast. Uh, it's not the first time I tried to hide him before. <laughs> uh, so it, it's it's not a real solid principle-based decision, but for whatever reason, we just never had a microwave. So we have people over over at our house every year. I'd say you know fifty around fifty different times at least a year, maybe even fifty-two. We have people in our home for for meals average of once a week, I'd say. Uh, and, you know, we have our gathering, and, and a lot of reason, the reason people come is for our gathering. Um, but we've never had a microwave, and people, when they hear that we don't have a microwave, are just really almost offended. Like, seriously? You don't have a microwave? What are you thinking? It's sort of like the way that we get offended when we, we go out to eat with someone and, and hear that they are vegetarian or vegan. Like, you don't eat meat? Are you serious? 
and we're so worried about the way that it reflects on us or or uh, inconveniences us in those situations. But you know, people make all kinds of decisions that are not uh, or that don't conform to the norm. You know, not having a microwave, not eating meat. Uh, there are all kinds of things that people do. But we choose to be offended, right? When, when we become offended by that, uh, it's a choice we make, you know? And I, and I think it takes some conditioning to learn how not to be offended by such trivial things as do we put up a Christmas tree or not? Uh, do we celebrate Christmas or not? Uh, do we put money under our kids' pillows or not? Uh, do we have a microwave oven or not? Uh, these are things that we can be offended by if we choose to be. But I think more often than not, they are opportunities for us to deny ourselves and to prefer uh, the people we're talking to. I think it's a great opportunity for us because when we're offended by such little things, uh, we cause uh, degrees of separation between each other. I like chocolate, you like strawberry. Sorry, we're different, therefore we can't be friends. You know, it's just kind of silly the things that we use to separate ourselves. Uh, now in the church, uh, and amongst Christians, there are even bigger things. We've seen these little things that can be we can be offended by cause big rifts. Uh, I can't confirm this, but I've heard that even wars were fought in the past over very, very tiny things. For example, uh, the Western uh, Catholic Church, when uh, the priest makes the sign of the cross as a blessing, I believe they hold up three fingers. And the Eastern Orthodox Church uses two fingers. Not a big deal, you would think. Uh, but things like this, apparently, uh, and I'm sure other things uh, that, you know, are just as trivial, have caused wars. Very silly. You know, we go back to uh, whether or not you squeeze the toothpaste from the end of the center. You know, is that grounds for divorce? <laughs> Irreconcilable differences. Uh, we... We want, we demand that other people defer to us and prefer our way of doing things while uh, being offended with the way other people do things. And that's just not a uh, recipe for success. That is a recipe for heresies and rifts and divisions uh, in the body of Christ. And so, you know, back to Christmas, people choose to... Uh, celebrate Christmas in all different ways. And I think it's okay to for you to do it in the way you want to. But, you know, let's try not to be uh, offended when other people choose to celebrate things in ways that are different from us. Um, and that goes to uh, models of church and ways that we worship. Yes, there might be some ways 
of worship out there that are outright uh, against the will of God, but more likely than not, most of the modes of worship, uh, if you read the Bible openly, uh, most most modes of worship out there that exist are probably in line with uh, the Bible. Because really the Bible, especially the New Testament, talks very little about how we're supposed to worship, except in the most general terms. Uh, for example, uh, uh, Jesus told the woman at the well, we have to worship God in spirit and in truth. That's pretty general. Um, as long as we worship God in spirit and in truth, uh, the worship should be okay. Um, so, not being offended, accepting our brothers despite the differences in the way that they live their lives, uh, whether uh, that be in worship or just day to day, uh, I think is a very important thing we need to learn. And we need to be proactive about that. We can't just be tolerant of each other's practices. Uh, we need to proactively, uh, number one, confess our sins, confess that we have been divisive and have been offended at things and caused division by our offense, and then proactively seek to mend those divisions. I think that's a, a thing that we need to do. Um, now, I, I'm in one of the groups in, in my area, probably, where uh, we have offended many people in the way that we've chosen to uh, follow in the footsteps of Jesus. We no longer meet in a church building. We have no paid clergy. We don't meet on Sunday. Uh, <laughs> I could go on and on. Uh, we don't. We don't uh, follow a liturgy. Uh, yeah, and so we, we have given people who choose to be offended a lot of opportunities to do so. And so for us, we want to actively, um, without, without changing what we feel like the Holy Spirit is leading us to do, we want to actively choose to be reconciled to our brothers in, in any way necessary that doesn't uh, go against the will of God. So, yeah. So this uh, holiday season, I think one of the best gifts that you can give anyone is to choose to not be offended, but choose to understand. Uh, and I would like to do that for my brothers and sisters in Christ and really people all around the world. Whether it's the homeless guy in the street who is uh, sipping from the uh, cheap bottle of wine. Or the uh, you know CEO uh, driving the uh, Mercedes sports car to work. How can we seek 
to understand these people instead of judging these people and seek to be reconciled to these people instead of uh, choosing to be offended by these people. So whether or not uh, they are in the church or out of the church uh, or in between, let's seek to understand. Let's seek to listen and to understand each other this holiday season. I think that's the best gift that we can give anyone. Seek uh, to understand and pray that you will be understood by other people. But I think we have to seek to understand other people first. I think we all do that. Defer to our fellow man. Listen. With a heart that that is accepting and strives to to heal and to have a good relationship, uh, I think that's the best thing we can all do. So I'm gonna just pray that Jesus, you give me a heart that seeks to understand and to listen and does not choose to be offended by both believers or non-believers. In your name, Jesus, amen. And, and I think that uh, that's maybe what Paul was talking about when he said, you know, part of what he was saying. He, he, he says, you know, I, I try to be all things to all men that he may save some. No matter how little you are offended, other there are going to be always people who choose to be offended, and there's not much we can do about that. We should try, but, you know, there's only so far. Um, there's only so much we can do. certain people. And we just pray that, you know, our kindness in those situations will um, help them eventually, whether we get the benefit of that or not. We can plant seeds of patience and kindness, love, acceptance with everyone we meet. So just to wish all of you a very Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays and Happy Hanukkah and Happy Kwanzaa and uh, what other, uh, whatever other holidays there are that aren't that there are out there. Christmas. Catch you guys later.